You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. Uh, I'm your, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today at as usual, is Tiny. How's it going, Tiny? Hi. Good. Hi. Good. Um, I don't know why I repeated exactly what you said. <laughs> um, I also skipped over an important part of the intro here. Um, if you would like to support what we do here, we have this podcast and two others. Um, if you would like to support us, uh, you can go to Patreon and become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where we are releasing regular content for our Patreon supporters. At the $1 per month level, you get exclusive B-roll episodes uh, recorded specifically for Patreon. At $2 per month, you get that plus TV review and reaction episodes i just wrapped up a weekly review series on the falcon and the winter soldier at the two dollar level and at the five dollar a month level you get all of that plus movie commentary tracks and immediate reviews i just released a uh, commentary track for danny boyle's sunshine uh this year i'm kind of going through my top 25 movies of all time list and just doing commentary tracks as well as monthly commentary tracks for Stephen King adaptations. So I've done It Chapter 2, um, uh, In the Tall Grass, uh, The Shining, Doctor Sleep, all of that commentary tracks are instantly accessible to you if you pledge $5 a month on Patreon. And finally, if you pledge $10 a month, you get all of that plus early access to podcast episodes and previously unreleased content. Again, that's at uh, patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Okay. Whew. So tiny. Yes. Uh, once again, how's it going? Good. 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 Nice. You have been super regular about posting because annoyingly is, so. I'm right. sure <laughs> this, this is your 18th recording of the month. Pretty much. Yes. It's old enough to vote. Am uh, I right? Right. It's old enough to serve the country. Trump train. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm looking at my calendar. Um. In the last month, we're recording this April 27th. In the last month, I have recorded both on main podcast feeds and Patreon. I've recorded one, two, 17. Uh, 17 recordings. Uh, three of those are not going to be posted until uh, next month. So uh, coming up on the Patreon feed at the $2 level, I have a review, a complete series review of Superstore. And... Um, <laughs> A season one review of Peacock's Rutherford Falls. Wow. So, yeah. So, you are a recording fool. I sure am. And I really hope that no one is uh, as annoyed with me as I am with myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, anyway, check it out. Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And, like, uh, it's it's really great because, like, it pays us <laughs> and pays pays me and like the money goes toward paying the fees like e each month all three podcasts have fees to you know host the podcast online uh so those go toward that and also i just spent a shit ton of money upgrading the equipment so yeah <laughs> i am in the red in the black 
red. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the red. Yeah. Um, and I just got my tax refund today, and I'm thinking like, oh, I could also get like this thing here, and can I get this? <laughs> of course you are. I know. Yeah, it's. I'd say you got a pretty sweet ass setup right now. I I do. There are a couple of things I want to do to to like finalize it, um, but not anything I need to do like immediately. Um, just basically get a fourth of these and these and these, um, just so I can have all the inputs and everything. Right. Um, but also, I mean, with the pandemic kind of winding to a close, fingers crossed, um, the prospect of doing more field recording and, um, film festival recording and stuff and like press junkets for film festivals has me thinking like, okay, I need more, more toys for the mobile setup um that i have so anyway yeah, i get it yep yep uh so anyway so hi i almost called you guys patron you guys are not patron you guys are tower junkies fans um okay <laughs> this is off to a terrible start um, uh so yeah so today on the podcast uh we're going to be reviewing the 2021 release from hard case crime of stephen king's newest novel uh, later, which came out under Hard Case Crime Publications, um, it was released uh, March 2nd, 2021. And uh, yeah, I don't really have any Stephen King news, but uh, we'll go ahead and do some check-ins. Do you have any check-ins, Tony? I kind of don't. I downloaded okay. a book Okay. that I got on Audible that is a Stephen King book, mm-hmm. but I haven't started reading it yet. Um, and it's something we're going to record about. Oh, Nice. Do you know what it is? Um, I don't know. It could be, it could be on, on some kind of subject. I'm sure. <laughs> um, it could be uh, it could it could be the full title could be I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. On writing, and then the sub subtitle could be something that has a word that I'm very self conscious about mispronouncing. <laughs> um, so uh, on writing a meme wire of the craft. I don't know. It's actually on writing. Oh, okay. R I D I N G. It's all oh, about okay. roller coasters and how nice. Stephen King is obsessed with them. And nice. D- <laughs> how would you feel about a Stephen King themed theme park, dude? Nice. That would kill. Christine bumper cars. Oh god, um, yeah. Um, you could do so many things. Yeah, playing uh, the mono like monorail, like going through the whole park. Totally. Yes. Uh, Pennywise's House of Horrors or something. Yes. Like a, a House of Mirrors type thing, but all Pennywise. Yes. Yeah. And then every time you go in, you see a kid just get fucking destroyed, like in It Chapter Two. Totally. Yes. Uh, um, Cujo's Dog Park. You don't can bring your dog. <laughs> and just live there. I don't know. That's not really a ride or entertaining at all. Right. But oh, that would be great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway. Uh. Yeah. So so on writing, I need to listen to that too. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I think we're gonna hopefully have a guest on for that. Yes. A returning guest, returning champion, Mike White. Mm-hmm. Um. So stay tuned for that. But um. Yeah. So so uh, you have no other check-ins or anything. You haven't made any purchases or anything. Um. Unfortunately, no. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, what have I done? I honestly, I don't know if I have that many check-ins or anything. Um, <laughs> except for I think I already talked about it. Did I already? I think I did already talk about buying um Storm of the Century. You did because yeah. I remember seeing it. Yes, you yes. bought a physical copy, right? Uh, I did. I bought the yeah. screenplay because that's how it was released, and uh, yeah. the DVD. Yeah. 
Yeah. I remember okay. looking at it. Mm-hmm. Isn't Tim Daly in it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have any other check-ins or anything. Yeah. So, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah. Toads anyway. profesh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been very uh, obsessive viewer minded lately. We really have been. Um, we have been posting a lot on obsessive viewer. Yeah. Um, but let's, should, should we, before we get into the actual discussion and everything, mm. um, I do want to say last time on the podcast, I did start a new segment called, oh, the Tower Junkies podcast content corner. Um, I think that's what it was called. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's any time that we record an episode, I kind of want to spotlight a Stephen King themed podcast that I've been listening to. Um, last time I think it was the stand podcast that I gave a shout out to, but this time I want to give a shout out to the year of underrated Stephen King. Um, just to read the, uh, description, this podcast analyzes Stephen King's lesser known novels and short stories in depth and explores why Stephen King is the greatest fiction writer alive. Applying what uh, the host teaches uh, her fiction students in this podcast, we will examine strong storytelling, uh, uh, sorry, strong writing, storytelling principles, uh, genre, liter- literary analysis, and Stephen King universe nerdery. Um, yeah, so it, the year of underrated Stephen King, uh, they just celebrated their first year, um, their first year of Surrey. <laughs> And uh, I'm I'm really liking that podcast. Um, nice. Kim C, the host, she is incredibly thorough. Um, she has uh, like I I kind of squeed with excitement um, <laughs> when I saw when when she posted fairly recently um, her episode about the gunslinger. Um, nice. She has not read any Dark Tower books or anything. In like her episode of the gunslinger, I mean, it was like an hour and 45 minute episode, uh, which is pretty irregular for her. Um, but man, that, that dug so deep into it. It was, it was phenomenal. I, I highly recommend checking out the year of underrated Stephen King. Nice. Um, and follow that show on Twitter, uh, at underrated SK pod, um, on Twitter and Instagram. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Oh, I forgot. Crap. The news. The, <laughs> this is the news that I should have I should have allocated for this. So we'll get into a news segment. This episode is off to just a phenomenal start. <laughs> um, bear with us, guys. We have not recorded a Tower Junkies in a little while. So the big news that hit recently is that June 4th, 2021... We'll see the series premiere of Apple TV Plus's uh, Lisey's Story adaptation. Yeah. Um, it is going to be, I think, an eight-part an eight miniseries um, airing on Apple TV Plus. Uh, the first two episodes are going are gonna to premiere on June 4th, and then it's going to go week to week for the rest of the uh, six episodes after that. Um, yeah, Lisey's Story. I'm, I'm super excited for this. Um, uh, th- yeah. Um, Julianne Moore is going to be in it. Dane DeHaan, Joan Allen, uh, Sung Kang, Clive Owen. Um, all episodes are going to be directed by Pablo Lorraine, hmm. who did, let's see, that movie Jackie and some other stuff. But every episode is written by Stephen King. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So I'm excited for us to read Lisey's story. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never read it. And me neither. And, uh, and then get into it and, and, uh, get into it and then, and then watch the show. I like that cast. Clive Owen, Dane DeHaan. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's exciting. Oh yeah, me too. I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's coming June fourth, and we will probably uh be reviewing it like in like August. <laughs> <laughs> but not mostly joking there. Right. But given our track record, we'll, we'll see. So, <laughs> um. So okay, with all of that preamble out of the way, today on the podcast we're going to be reviewing Stephen King's latest novel, Later. Which, as I said, uh, was published March 2nd by Hard Case Crime. And as we normally do, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review. So let's just dive into the non-spoiler review. I'm going to go ahead and read the plot summary, courtesy of StephenKing.com. The son of a struggling single mother, Jamie Conklin, just wants an ordinary childhood. But Jamie is no ordinary child. Born with an unnatural ability, his mom urges him to keep secret. Jamie can see what no one else can see and learn what no one else can learn. But the cost of using this ability is higher than Jamie can imagine, as he discovers when an NYPD detective draws him into the pursuit of a killer who has threatened to strike from beyond the grave. <laughs> okay, so um, that's later, and we're going to be talking about it. Hard case crime, uh, non-spoiler thoughts, uh, tiny uh, what did you think in broad terms, broad non broad non spoiler terms of later, champ? <laughs> uh, I I kind of surprisingly like this a lot. I nice. say surprisingly because I just didn't really go into it with any knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just gonna start listening to it. I didn't even really know what it's about. Nice. Um, and I think my favorite part of it is actually um, the reading the the reading performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is one of my top like my favorite reading performances of any audiobook I've ever listened to. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, okay. uh, I was read read by uh, an actor named Seth Numrick or Numrich, I'm not sure how I pronounce it. Mm. Um he's most famous I guess for being in uh, that show uh, Turn which was on Oh yeah. A&E AMC I think. AMC, okay. Um I watched a little bit of that show. It was it was okay. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my wife watched all of it, but I think that's his most famous credit, but um he did such a good job with this. I I think he really, really characterized, like, gave each character a very unique voice, and you could tell them all apart, like, mm-hmm. really well. Um, especially the two the two female leads. Mm-hmm. I think he did such a great job with them. And then I think he just added this with his inflection and his voice acting. Really added this innocence to Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so tenuous throughout this this story um i it was just really impressive i that that was my favorite part of the whole audiobook was just his performance was so good nice that's awesome um yeah. it's interesting cuz i actually i so so i uh <laughs> uh when it was released on march 2nd um i think i don't know how it how it came to be how this came to pass but i was like without a an audible credit like for a couple of days, like my next credit was going to come like a couple of days after the publication date. And I'm like, well, I already you were jonesing really bad. I, I was, I was just, I was just really just jonesing for it. <laughs> um, but I was just like, you know, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm going to buy the book anyway. So for my collection. So I had pre-ordered the paperback and the paperback arrived March 2nd um, from Amazon. And so I th- I think I mentioned this before on the podcast and on Patreon, but I just kind of opened it up and I was like, you know, I'm I'm going to be listening to the audiobook here in a couple of days. And I was just like, I'm just going to going to kind of thumb through it, maybe read the first page, see see how it is and everything. And then like 
two hours later, I'm like halfway through the book and I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Okay. Um, and then I finished it like the next day. So this was by far the quickest in terms of uh, publication to completion of reading and uh, yeah. receiving. And, and uh. Me too, kind of. Like I... It, I didn't read it that fast, but I think I, mm-hmm. and it's not very long. Was it no. 12 hours or something like that? So it's like a six. Is I it think, that yeah. short? Jeez. Yeah. Cause um, I, I listened to the audiobook from beginning to end today while I worked. Oh jeez. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Um, I listened to it in like two or three days, which nice. is quick for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, I really liked it a lot. Nice. Me too. And so I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler to say, cause it is, kind of early in the book, the kind of main hook of it is Jamie Conklin being a kid who can see the recently deceased. Mm -hmm. And something that I really love about, I really love about Stephen King when he writes things like, like high concept things like this is the way that he establishes like clear parameters for it. And I had this interesting kind of reaction when I was reading Later, for the first time, I was like, I kind of wondered, I kind of wondered if maybe it would make me want to revisit and give like a fresh read of Cell. Um, (laughs) Because Cell, what I remember of it is it's Stephen King doing a zombie story, but the zombies are like triggered by cell phone signals and they learn they learn how to communicate and then they travel in packs like there are all of these like different parameters surrounding it it's not just like a zombie thing where you have a phone up to your you you turn into a zombie and you attack people it's like it has all of these clear rules and everything and jamie conklin's ability to see dead people is kind of that same way it has these clear kind of parameters and rules attached to it um that sometimes get a little broken and bendy uh, as the story progresses. But what I love about it is that it is just this, it is Stephen King creating a scenario and creating a, uh, a storyline that is just uh, like, it, it's playing in a sandbox that maybe he's not necessarily, he doesn't necessarily, well, I wouldn't say it doesn't necessarily do too often, but like he is setting like, okay, let's do, Let's do the sixth sense kind of thing where he sees dead people. But how does he see dead people? Okay, mm-hmm. and then how like how can he communicate with them? Like what what are the rules here and everything? I don't know. I just like the structure of it. How'd you feel about that kind of conceit of Jamie's ability? In the words of Tony Stark in Infinity War, <laughs> mm-hmm. why'd you do that? <laughs> no, I'm just that's such a weird connection to make the book sell. Oh, and yeah. this like, that's what you were saying that's what i was too. saying okay. like why would you do that that's so <laughs> random first of all why would you do make would you make that connection secondly right. why would you revisit cell yes <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kidding we will eventually of, we will of, eventually right i know yeah. that's why that's why i say it kind of um no but um i totally agree and and i think what's cool is the uh, again the premise is that this kid sees the recently deceased but he puts his own kind of spin on it, and there's this. Mm-hmm. It's not a total ripoff, you know. I, I'm I'm sure he was inspired by the Sixth Sense, but right. uh, he puts his own spin on it. And what's cool is that the story is like a bunch of the plot obviously is driven by that, mm-hmm. but it's it's so in the background because the focus of the story is really what Jamie's going through, 
yeah. and like the uh, relationship with his mom, the relationship mm-hmm. with his mom's girlfriend. And like, it's, it's so the, his ability is so ancillary to everything else. And it's, it's also really interesting because it's, um, uh, he keeps saying this is a horror story. Right. <laughs> or he says it a few times at least. Yeah. And it's funny because the horror has nothing to do with his ability to see dead people. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, really, it's not, um, mm-hmm. not to spoil anything, but right. it's the, the, the conflict it has nothing, it's not because he can see dead people. It's, right. it's something totally different. Um, and that's what's so clever about Stephen mm-hmm. King's writing is that he presents this thing that's like, oh, this is obviously in his wheelhouse. It's yeah. horror. He's, the kid sees dead people. That's going to be the crux of this. But he kind of switches it to something else and it right. becomes this totally different story. Um, or it becomes so less reliant on the supernatural aspect of the story. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. Oh, yeah. It is. It's something that is just kind of set up and then used to drive the story of this kid and his single mother um, kind of just surviving in the, in the aftermath of like the market crash of 2008 and getting back on their feet and everything. And, uh, his mother's, uh, troublesome relationship with, with a detective. Um, it, it kind of just encompasses what Stephen King does extraordinarily well in creating these character focused stories, um, amidst this supernatural kind of conceit and playground that he sets up. And there are, I mean, there are moments of pure horror that are terrifying and the description of them, like the vividness of the description of some of the, um, the looks of some of the ghosts that he sees is Mm -hmm. really just, just spectacular, um, descriptions, uh, in my opinion. But the kind of the, the thing that I latched onto the most in this story is the Jamie Conklin kind of growth throughout the throughout the story. And in particular, um this is a story that takes place over I mean it it begins with Jamie as as early like there's a flashback of him as early as 6 years old and then by the end of the story he's like 15. And so we have this just span of time of like 9 years uh just following this kid and what I love about it and it's something that's evident with the Institute and um, obviously other Stephen King books, but most recently the Institute, but Stephen King has such an ear for writing children characters and in particular writing precocious children. Um, yeah. Who are very aware of their feelings and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the Jamie Conklin character uh, as a whole? I was going to say the same thing, actually. That's, nice. that's totally, that totally jumped out to me. He's uh, such a, it's funny because I used the word innocence earlier, mm-hmm. and he he definitely is that for sure. Um, he's kind of privileged, you know. His mom's kind of mm-hmm. loaded. His family's kind of loaded to an extent. Yeah. Um, but he's also very witty and like sort of wise beyond his years. He's an intelligent kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because he can fucking see dead people, right? You know, and they they, they don't have any filter, and so they just tell mm-hmm. him all this shit that he's really not ready to hear as a. Right. Six-year-old, seven-year-old, ten-year-old, twelve-year-old. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I never really connected his kind of just precocious nature of then this kind of uh, older than his years kind of wisdom yeah. and, and wisecracking right. as a byproduct of his supernatural ability. I just yeah. thought that he's just kind of a wise-ass kid who actually knows <laughs> how he feels, <laughs> um, right? 
and can uh, communicate it as opposed to internalize it. Yeah. Well, and it's it's expressed really well in the setup because there's mm-hmm. an, an you know the opening scene is uh, sort of sort of the opening scene when they mm-hmm. he and his mother come home and their neighbor yeah uh, his wife had just passed away and he's talking they're talking to their neighbor and the kid can see uh, Jamie can see uh, the the dead woman right there yeah. next to them and she says something along the lines of he'll probably be having lunch with so-and-so within the next couple weeks or whatever. Right. Implying that, you know, she thinks he's always had a crush on this woman and mm-hmm. that he's going to move on really quickly. And Jamie doesn't understand that, mm-hmm. but he's curious about it and he can't quite put yeah. connect the dots. But I think he can, it, it makes him curious. And I think mm-hmm. it, it again makes him wise beyond his years that he's hearing all these things that are, out of context because of how young he is and he doesn't have experience with the relationships and sex and adult things, you know? Um, yeah. But it's, it's laid out really well in that first episode or that first uh, opening scene, if you will. Right. And that, so I went into the, went into the book, not knowing exactly what it was about, like you said, but as soon as it was revealed that she was dead and he could see dead people. I'm like, okay. Like I had a moment where I was like, just amazed by it because I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Like I didn't realize that this is what Stephen King was doing with this, um, uh, with this story. Like, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked in. Uh, did you have like any, like, did you have any reaction like that? Or was it, how'd you react to the revelation that he could see dead people? Um, yeah, that, that jumped out pretty quick. I mean, that, Mm. that hooked me in, uh, pretty quickly as well, and like I said, I listened to the whole thing in yeah. a couple of days. And even though it's short, that's still quick, quick for me to listen to something that quickly. Right. Um. Yeah, I was I was hooked right from the get go. And again, I think it's just mm-hmm. the characters. You know, we talk about that so much because it's yeah. just such such an important part of his writing. Um, mm-hmm. The characters are so relatable and well rounded. I agree, and also he has this penchant for filtering like we talk a lot about how he is so good at describing and writing from the perspective of everyday America and kind of flyover country and like like uh just Americana and everything through like a horror prism but something that I've noticed since obviously since like Mr. Mercedes and and the Bill Hodges trilogy is that he has such an eye for weaving in um maybe it's because I'm more conscious of, of like, you know, American culture and, and the economy, but <laughs> he has such a penchant for weaving in economic hardships and making that be kind of a, kind of an important part of the storytelling that he does. Like with the, with uh, the Bill Hodges trilogy, like the, the Mr. Mercedes um, opening like piece of violence is, um, a Mercedes being driven into a crowd of people at a like job fair or, uh, just like they're down on their luck and they're looking for work, um, because of the economy is in the toilet. And then, uh, at least the second book kind of has like tangential relations to like a family that had, that had a member that was in, at that location at that part of that tragedy. And so here in, uh, later we have, Jamie Conklin and his mother being victims of a Ponzi scheme and just kind of the bottom falling out of their 
their financial um uh financial place stability stability yeah uh completely falling apart um as a result of the 2008 crash and everything mm -hmm. um so i don't know did you do you do you kind of does that resonate with you in any any meaningful way it definitely does because um i it's just interesting to see him weave those things into his stories because it just mm -hmm. i guess it further grounds them i guess because yeah. you know we all most of the people who are going to be reading this book have memories from the 2008 crash mm -hmm. most of the people reading this book are going to know who Bernie Madoff was and mm. you know, what the what that was like for a lot of people losing their money and so weaving both of those things together into a, a, a point of conflict for these characters and mm -hmm. um, controversy for the characters is just clever and it's funny because like that's those those things happened you know 12 15 years ago right it's not like they're super recent mm -hmm. um, but it's not like it's not like he wrote this during the, you know, the big stock market crash in 1929 or right. whatever. You know, it was, it's it's something that was relevant, but not super recent. I don't know. It was just an interesting, interesting choice to make to weave those things together and to make that mm -hmm. part of the story. Um, again, it's just another, another aspect of him grounding his stories and making them relatable. Yeah. And another kind of aspect to that, and it's something that I, I've... I've long admired Stephen King um, for like Stephen, like for him doing this is the way that he, something I admire about his writing is that he is so in tune with pop culture as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like he'll throw out these references that just ground it into such a, such a, like it's a relatability to the characters and everything. Like something simple as Jamie's mother telling him that he can stay up, uh, uh, for being good at a funeral, he can stay up late and uh, watch an episode of Torchwood. And it's like, <laughs> Torchwood, that's somewhat obscure in terms of pop culture. I mean, it's just a, a Doctor Who spinoff and everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, I'm like, just these, those little things, those little pieces here and there, because he's very much a fan of pop culture. And I think that, that really informs his writing in a really fun way um, that really kind of brings home the uh authenticity of it when he's writing about these stories that are completely bonkers crazy um yeah yeah totally yep um so the story kind of goes to some particular paths down some particular paths um that we'll talk more in detail in spoilers but um i don't want to talk about how it kind of references some other stuff <laughs> Um, there, there are a couple of big references that I want to point out and spoilers, but kind of overall thoughts. How did you feel about the way that the story progressed and kind of without going into spoilers, how did you feel about the climax of the story? Yeah, I was kind of expecting this to be, you know, about the horror or the conflict was going to be the fact that he can see dead people and that's going to be, that's going to lead to, you know, him in some kind of conflict with the dead person or something mm -hmm. i don't know it, it 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 felt like that was going to be the main source of conflict but really it was because there are other characters who are you know evil kind of kind mm -hmm. of evil and selfish and uh villainous really and opportunistic uh, opportunistic yeah that's a good yeah. way to put it but uh but yeah that it it was just cool to see that it it was sort of i think it kind of throws the the reader for a loop so that you're not 
getting something that's so expected. It's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit off the wall or I didn't necessarily see it coming. Um, where, where the conflict was going to come from. Mm-hmm. That was, that was really cool. But, uh, and yeah, I, I really liked the way, uh, it ended. Um, there was a lot, a very satisfactory, very satisfying moment for the main character mm-hmm. at the end. Um, that wasn't overdone. Uh, it was pretty, again, it was just satis- really satisfying. Okay. It wasn't like yeah. some major thing that the character was focused on throughout the whole story, but it's something that maybe we had wondered about as the re- the readers had worried, wondered about something he'd wondered about throughout his life, but it just kind of happened to present itself to him. And, uh, and was, you, you was said really that's nice. really satisfying. It was really satisfying. Yeah. Oh, interesting. We're going to have to talk about that in spoilers. Cause yeah. I'm very cute. I'm that'll be kind of dancing around it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of overall thoughts on later, how does this rank in your top 19? Does it break the top 19 or is this just a breezy fun thriller? Uh, I think it's close. I think it's close to being a top 19. Oh, nice. It's, it's really good. Um, I have to look at my list a little closer, but, uh, mm-hmm. I think for now I'm going to leave it out. Um, but I could see myself listening to this again or reading it again and, uh, possibly putting it on the list. We'll see. Sweet. And I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but, uh, Stephen King has had two hard case crime novels released previous to this. Uh, they have no relation to each other. They're just the hard case crime publications is just what published it. And they kind of specialize in these pulp paperback editions, um, short novels. Um, so he previously did Joyland and the Colorado kid through hard case crime. Have you read either of those? I haven't. No. Okay. I've read Joyland and I enjoyed it quite a bit actually, but I haven't read it since 2013. Um, Mm. so I want to, I want us to go back and, and read those and, and kind of come back and, and review them, but we will do that all in due time. Definitely. Um, for overall thoughts for me, I really enjoyed this. Like I said, it's kind of a brisk, uh, breezy thriller that really kind of plays to some of Stephen King's strengths as in terms of his writing and kind of the shorter form writing. Cause this is like a quick 200, 300 page book and it moves just as quick. Um, as soon as we're introduced to certain elements and certain characters, he does give them proper time to develop and everything, but the plot moves it along very briskly, very quickly. Um, I listened to this audiobook, having read the physical copy a month ago, I listened to it all in one, one sitting, um, today at work. And like, it's, it's just a super fun, pulpy, um, thriller with some supernatural, supernatural stuff and some fun references to other Stephen King works, which we'll get to in spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it'll break my top 19, but it is something that I do see myself revisiting at some point, um, maybe with some kind of regularity, just because the the quickness of, of and, and the briskness of the plot, it's just, it's a super quick read and a lot of fun to kind of get a good Stephen King fix in a pinch. Totally. Uh, so yeah, so that's our non-spoiler review of later. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play some music to break up our, to our spoiler discussion. If you want to, uh, if you haven't read later and don't want to be spoiled, I'm going to give you some time during this jingle to turn off the podcast, read it, come back and listen. So here we are with spoilers for later.
and spoilers on for later. So, Tiny, first thing I want to bring up is um, we can go beat for beat or we can go through the plot and everything. But the first thing I want to bring up is the Stephen King um, references that yeah, he has. Right. So, I, when I first read this book, I got so excited when the ritual of Chud is um, referenced. Uh huh. And is an integral part of the plot. Um, right. In the audiobook, he, he he pronounces it Chud, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel about the ritual of Chud uh, in later? It was really cool. I think it it was woven into the story really well. It felt natural, I guess, is the way mm-hmm. to put it. Um, sometimes references like that, cross cross-property references, can get a little cumbersome i guess would be the word or yeah they seem out of place but this one i think was woven really well into the story you know i think it made sense that like there's essentially this demon from who knows where who kind of took over the ghost of this guy or the soul of this guy however the hell you want to describe it Mm. it, up to the reader really i think it made sense and it really again it just felt natural and it's it was almost as almost as satisfying as what happened in it. Yeah, like, so cool. Like it, it was less. <laughs> it was a little less acid trippy, <laughs> right? I'll put it that way. And that much more lucid, right? And that that's something that I found really interesting about it is that it is much more um uh coherent. <laughs> yeah, in this, and I kind of think I kind of wonder. I and, and this isn't corroborated by anything. This is purely conjecture on my part. But I wonder. If this is an example of Stephen King seeing an adaptation of his work and having it draw inspiration in his writing. So Hmm. it chapter two includes a version of the ritual of Chud. And I kind of wonder if that made Stephen King think like, oh, you know what? It would be kind of neat if we did this, if 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 I did this in, in the story, if I brought back the ritual of Chud and I had like this there kind of the same thing that I thought when um when the, the I think the Institute came out because I thought, well, I wonder if that was kind of due to the way that it depicted uh, that the dark, the dark tower depicted uh, Agol Siento. Um, I think that's what it was. Uh, Blue Heaven in the movie uh, because it just had, you know, uh, the Dev- Devartoy um, bringing all the, you know, kids to break the beams and stuff. I wonder mm. if that's what inspired him to make the institute which is about a group of kids brought together to right uh you know clandestinely um take out people right and so i kind of wonder if that's a similar thing here if that's something that like oh you know you he saw it chapter two and then was like you know let me bring back ritual of chud yeah could be who who knows what inspires him to do that yeah i don't know uh, it works really well in this yeah i agree i think again to give credit to um the voice actor seth Mm mm-hmm Something I forget his last name. Uh, I, sh- I had it below my phone. So he the the voice acting that he did for that possessed ghost of that mm-hmm. the bomber guy or whatever. Yeah, was like really scary. Yeah, it was that was some talented voice acting. Very very creepy. Uh, the tone is is fantastic. Yeah, like when he said, "I don't want to." Yes, very <laughs> uh, very um, effective. Yeah, and let's talk about the the rules and parameters of of jamie's powers um i really loved the conceit that like okay well he can speak to ghosts 
they fade away after a certain amount of time so that he only gets one chance to talk to them and they have to tell him the truth. <laughs> and that's kind of an interesting setup in the way that it comes into play throughout the throughout the story, like when uh, his mother uses him to get the uh, the plot of the final Secret of Roanoke book or the final Roanoke book um, mm-hmm. from the author like that. Those kind of conceits and that that kind of thing is really uh, good at character building because as Jamie kind of professes throughout like or, or internalizes and, and uh, talks about uh, during that scene, it's they are using him. <laughs> His mother is using him. Right. And everything. But it's also for the greater good of, you know, providing for the family and everything. Um, but it's interesting the way that he kind of checks and uh notices the kind of selfishness of like his mother and of of um her girlfriend um throughout it i can't remember her name the girlfriend's name um i don't remember either yeah tia is the mom right yes yeah but Gosh, anyway what is her name yeah, yeah. um yeah it, it it exemplifies again how he's experiencing things that no 10 12 year old boy should be experiencing absolutely yeah absolutely yeah um it, it's it's such a uh, it's 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 a really good it's a really good book totally um by the way it was seth numrich or numrich numrich uh, that's right yeah and <clears throat> excuse me so is it liz i think you might be right yes liz dutton, liz I, dutton. I was trying to discreetly <laughs> bring it up no idea how i remember that yeah and I just listened to it today. So anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so that the parameters of it and the way that it kind of breaks those internal rules with the bomber and the kind of demon that possesses him and everything just makes for just really grounded, chilling, supernatural kind of entity throughout the throughout the book, which is kind of what the book needed right. to have kind of a central thing or a central kind of uh, villain that wasn't over over encumbering. For the plot. Yeah. Um, right. But does come into play later in the book. Um, how did you feel about Liz and her kind of descent into bringing Jamie along and, and using him uh, and murdering that guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, that was kind of shocking that mm-hmm. she took it to that extent. I was sort of wondering how far this was going to escalate. Like, I think when she, she basically takes jamie for the first time i think that was while it was wrong i think Mm -hmm. i think it's much easier to justify why she did it even for someone who's not (laughs) a dick and evil like we are you know right as as compared to liz you know um and so i i think i think her doing that is forgivable in that first example but even though it deeply traumatizes jamie yeah it um, was framed in a way at least from her her rationale for it is being for the greater good to catch, catch a bad guy. Well, I think Jamie makes that rationale as well. Yeah. After a while. So I, I, I think, and I think there's a degree of justification for yeah. that first kidnapping. as what it's called what it is. Right. Um, and so the second time the stakes are just so much higher and there's, it's completely indefensible, obviously. Um, and it's, it's sad because she's a very she's kind of an in between character, right? She mm-hmm. she more than just flirts with the line of what's wrong. She's not 
she's in a bit of a gray area a lot of the time and she mm-hmm. kind of you know crosses the line and doing something wrong but she's still a sympathetic character to an extent but yeah. at this point she's she's strung out and she's mm-hmm. basically kidnapping Jamie at gunpoint and yeah. um just for her own selfish reasons and yeah. she's being incredibly selfish and again bordering on evil i think is the the right way to say it but um yeah. i i was kind of shocked to see how how far her character went and then mm. how dark that story got yeah um, having that kind of external villain while also having the kind of demon villain as well right was a really good kind of balance to strike especially for such a short book um, yeah totally it just really kind of tightens up the plot a lot more for for me yeah and her kind of descent and her turn once once he kind of recognizes her as being kind of really strung out um also, there was a really cool reference to the wire in that part too. Um, yeah, right. But when when she's really strung out and she's kidnapping him and everything, it's that's where we've already known that she is kind of too far gone because she is at that point she's been kicked off the force. She has pending legal charges against her and everything, and so we get the sense that she is a a, a cornered um, predator. A corner, yeah. like a, a an animal that's that's cornered and willing to do anything. Desperate. Yes. And drug problem. Yeah. And throughout yeah. that whole kind of journey to get to the guy's house, um, to <laughs> to the Marsden house, um, <laughs> uh, I kept thinking, like, I wonder, like, I was wondering, I was like, I was trying to, I was trying to be a little bit ahead of the book, but trying not to be too ahead of the book because I wanted to be surprised. But I was like. It would be really cool if his power, if they, if a part of the plot includes like him seeing someone get killed and then that person, like, like her killing someone and then that person coming back to life and Uh, her, the ghost. And then when it happened, I'm like, I was floored. Not because I was like, (laughs) oh, I totally knew that. I know as much as Stephen King does, but (laughs) mostly because I was just like, this is such a pivotal and, and uh, intense moment for for the story, and I was kind of just strapped in at that point. Nice, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, uh, I I didn't make that connection, or I didn't have that prediction, I guess. But okay. uh, I was really blown away when she did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, not even that. Like the moment right before that, when he realizes that he's still alive, when yeah. he's like, he sees him like handcuffed to the bed and has like a mouth gag. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because I uh, he might be thinking I might be thinking of something else, but anyway, he's like he's like gagged and and tied to the bed, and then he like winks or something, or he blinks his eye, and like that's when he's like, oh my god, he's still alive, and then she's just like, well, we can take care of that, boom, and then mm-hmm. she spoiler for the shield <laughs> uh, pilot episode, she Vic Mackey's him, <laughs> um, but ah, oh, the shield's so good. Anyway, um, and then then kind of interesting. Interestingly enough, I was kind of, after that point, I was kind of, both times I read it, I was kind of like, at that point, I was like, okay, the book is kind of reached its apex, and the resulting stuff that happens, like her death and his battle with uh, the um, the entity and everything, uh, kind of is kind of, kind of felt like a little bit uh, superfluous in the grand scheme of things. Did hmm. you how did you feel about the climax on the in the stairs and everything? I, it was effective for me. I thought it nice. was really shocking, and um, I think that was the 
I don't remember how many times he says it, but he says several times, this is a horror story. Right. I think that, I think that was like the point of the most horror because Mm -hmm. he also talks about how he, he says throughout the story and times when he's with Liz, he's like, this is one of those moments where I like Liz, or this is one of the reasons why I like Liz. Mm. Um, And so he has some affection for her at some Mm -hmm. point and he has to watch her get, you know, murdered yeah. by this entity, um, this entity that also wants to murder him and, right. and has, has ill will towards him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, that's where I think the, the true deepest horror of the story really rears its head. And yeah. so for that reason, I thought it worked really well and I liked it a lot. I didn't, I didn't think it was like superfluous or anything. So nice. I disagree a little bit, but, um, sure. but it was, I don't know. I, I kind of thought that maybe, Liz was going to have a different ending. Maybe I figured she was going to die, but I, yeah. I, just, I didn't necessarily see that coming. That he was going to call on the demon to do it. I guess. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really have any kind of theories uh, up until that point or not. Yeah. So, yeah. and I thought the um another part of that the climax was when they found the the photos in the the um the safe room. Oh yeah, from the the gangster guy who mm-hmm. basically killed a girl for pleasure essentially right. and was doing yeah. horrible things so that was it had it very much gave me flashes of the movie eight millimeter oh yeah i could yeah. totally see that which is a movie that i hate love to hate kind of or sure no, hate, hate to love i guess because it's mm. so disturbing and yeah hard to watch but it's a brilliant movie yeah um it made me think of that and and uh which i appreciate i think that was a a level of darkness I wasn't expecting, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I didn't make the eight millimeter connection because I've only seen that movie, I think, once. Okay. Um, so it's not really a, a point of reference for me. But yeah, I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So to kind of wind down a little bit, I think. Oh, there was one other Stephen King ism that I wanted to point out. Um, late in the book. Um. Jamie talks to his mother and she says something about reading or something about how he needs to go read something or something like that. Um, or she, he's going to go travel somewhere. And then she says like, well, how are you going to keep up with your studies or whatever read or whatever? But anyway, and then he says the, uh, the famous Stephen King quote, uh, books are a uniquely portable magic, um, (laughs) which is a quote that is very famous around the meme averse. Um, I can't believe I just said that word. <laughs> and it's attributed to Stephen King. And I I kind of like the cheekiness of that where he says like books are a uniquely portable magic. I read that somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, I just wanted to point that out. Nice. But to kind of wind down, let's talk about the final pages of this book. <laughs> the revelation, the, the kind of reveal at the end that his uncle, was his father right i i didn't like that oh really yeah both times i read it i just kind of felt like i can't i kind of softened up to it a little bit in the second reading of it but that first one i was just like this this is just not satisfying to me it's kind of Hmm. coming it, it felt like it came completely out of left field and it i don't think it was properly um I don't think it was properly seeded throughout the rest of the story um, for my taste. I just felt like it was just like kind of a little like a swing for the fences for just completely crazy, kind of strange, um, taboo 
incestuous um, plot development that I, I didn't get any read of that from like his mother. Like I don't, I didn't think there was anything in his mother's character, the way she was written to kind of seed that level of shame or, or secrecy surrounding it. So I, in the non-spoiler, you kind of seemed to favor it and everything. So how did you, how did you feel about the incest stuff? <laughs> um, I guess I just really didn't see it coming. And that, okay. that surprise or that shock was effective for me. Okay. And I also liked the subtlety of it because he didn't get, Jamie didn't get any details mm-hmm. as to like, well, were you guys drunk? Were you depressed? Right. Like, what what the hell? How did this happen? Mm-hmm. And he was sort of okay with that. He was like, yeah. I'm just going to accept this for what it is. And I, I'm not he doesn't really judge. I don't think he doesn't really judge his mom or his uncle no. for it. Well, um, the way that he, sorry, the, no, the way ahead. that he does it is he, he kind of creates this narrative surrounding it. Like he, he, the only information he gets from his dead uncle is that he's his father. Right. And so he kind of, in the text, Jamie kind of posits that like, well, his grandparents died at this point And, um, his mother came home and obviously they probably got really drunk. They were really, um, you know, they were in mourning and everything. And maybe he came in and just sat on the bed to comfort her. And then comfort turns to something, uh, to a different kind of comfort and everything. And then nine months later I was born and she was working for the, uh, for the literary agency or whatever, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, I don't know if that, any of that's true. Like, <laughs> I don't right. know. That's just what I did. Cause it, I do appreciate the way that he is like um, the way that he explains that it's better to keep that in his head than to entertain the alternative. Like did mm. his mother was his mother raped by her older brother Yeah, and everything like the, the questions that he left unanswered. I can understand that. So I don't know. That's, the the one thing I wasn't crazy about it was that that speculation that he came up with that speculative story. Oh, interesting. Um, I, it's not that I didn't like it. I just thought it was like, what would lead him to go down that road? Um, yeah. But I think you're right. It's like that. That's the better. That's a an acceptable version of the story, mm-hmm. or it, it's an acceptable um, lead up to that conclusion. Whereas yeah. the alternatives are not acceptable and are disturbing and um but I, part of me wonders i think throughout a lot of the time throughout the book whenever his mom references the, the uncle mm-hmm. it's it's usually in kind of a negative context but i think it's it's sort of framed because it's it's framed that she feels that way because of the whole ponzi scheme thing yeah but and, i i wonder if there's something else there yeah and i i don't know and i think that that kind of plays into how um, how I feel like it wasn't seated well enough because mm. my kind of read of that, uh, of that negativity toward, toward, uh, him throughout it, I felt that that was more, yes, due to the kind of Ponzi scheme thing, but also I kind of read it as, you know, him being a burden on them because of his Alzheimer's and having right. to, having to have him in, uh, facility and everything. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I just, it didn't really, it didn't really, um, work for me all that well. That's fair. I totally get that. It, it's, I don't think it was entirely necessary. 
Yeah. For the story, but I did I did think it was interesting and it again, I think the subtlety of it just intrigued me and the mystery mm-hmm. of it intrigued me and so I was I was kind of into it. So. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and and do we really have anything else to say about, about later? <laughs> Not really, other than I was surprised at how much I liked it. Yeah, me too. I not that I was expecting not to like it or anything, mm-hmm. but I I did kind of think that it would be I, I wasn't expecting it to be as rich as it was. Because I yeah. kind of expected it to be just a kind of three hundred page little kind of pulp fiction kind of thing. Um yeah. and it was good. It was it was really good. Um totally. so yeah. So yeah, like we said, uh, probably not on our top nineteens or anything, but still a very solid entry in Stephen King's bibliography. And I think that's our review of later. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Pizza is on the table. Uh, pizza, pizza roll, the official mascot of Obsessive Your Podcast. And she's, she's moving my mic. Joining the podcast. Yes. So anyway, I forgot to mention at the top of this episode that we do have a subreddit um, <laughs> that I created five years ago for Obsessive Viewer. And I think what I'm going to start doing is posting the links to the podcast episodes just in case anyone wants to kind of have a centralized place to comment on the episode or, or share their thoughts and everything. Just so the, just so, I mean, any way you want to contact us is fine, but that's just another avenue for it. Uh, so subscribe to our subreddit at um, r slash obsessive viewer. Um, really, I just have links to episodes on there. So comment on the episodes if you want. Um, yeah. Uh, you don't have any like insider drops. I I don't know. There's no Damn. there's no Q t- Q drops or anything. Um, <laughs> what would be our letter? Uh, the alphabet for our our insider. Uh oh, <laughs> just obsessive. <laughs> I'm all about branding. Nice. Or or should I say that a programmer in the Philippines is all about branding? I don't know. Anyway, check out Obsessive Viewer. We reviewed Q into the storm. Hello, Patriots. Yeah, Patriots. I love that. <laughs> nice. Check out our QTube channel. So anyway, <laughs> um, uh, what should we do next time, Tiny? Oh, boy. Um, I think, well, I don't, I don't know. What should we do next time? I think we might be doing our episode with Mike White. Yes. That might be the next thing yes. we do. Yeah. We will be doing on writing with Mike White of As Good As It Gets and The Obsessive Viewer. Yeah. Um, but I also want us, you and I, to do our top 19 adaptations. Yeah, we do need to do we that. We do need to do that, mostly yeah. because that's something that we don't need to read a book for. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we can kind of pump it out. And also, we need to do our apt people thing for we do. release on June 21st. I was going to say that's, yeah, I, was, I couldn't remember if that was the summer one or not. Yes, yes, yes. Hope Springs Eternal and the Shawshank and Summer of Corruption. Is that right? I think. I thought Stand By Me was the. I think Stand By Me is Fall of Innocence. Or the Body. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought I thought the body was because I've never read it or never seen the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was. uh, I thought it took place over the summer, so I thought that's maybe. Oh no no no! That's fall. It's fall. Okay, I didn't realize that. Okay, Labor Day weekend. Cool. Yep. So uh, we'll have something coming up. Yeah. (laughs) On the podcast, Uh, once again, podcast content corner. Uh, check out the Year of Underrated Stephen King. Phenomenal podcast that goes into much more depth than we do. <laughs> I downloaded some of the episodes while we were. Oh, nice! Recording, so nice. Listen to them. Yeah. Sweet. Um. Yeah. So check that out and uh, check out our subreddit and check out our other podcast at Anthology and uh, Obsessive Viewer. <laughs> and uh, 
I think that'll that'll do it for this episode. Um, yeah. Also, final final thing. I my fingers caught. Just gonna kind of play us out. Anyway, final final thing. Uh, check out our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/obsessiveviewer for exclusive content released regularly. And having said that, thank you so much for listening. And uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Yeah, Fekas said that he, because he, he got the Johnson & Johnson. Okay. Um, but he, um, uh, he's, like I jokingly, quote unquote, said like, hey, can I borrow your badge and your gun <laughs> and like your uniform or whatever? Um, just so I can, you know, get it. And then he's like, honestly, they never once asked me for any kind of proof of my employment or anything. Oh, no shit. <laughs> so it's like all the honor system, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. So Special Agent Matt Hurt is going to be getting the vaccine. <laughs> nice. Um, And then I also jokingly told him that I am a first responder when it comes to commenting on uh, pop culture uh, through podcasts. So, right. I mean, even though we notoriously are not the first (laughs) responders on it, we we take our time. Yeah. A little bit. bit. Yep. So anyway, uh, Patreon. Patreon. Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OV Anthologypod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. 
Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!